Um, I saw that video the other day, and I was looking for stuff. I'm always on the lookout for something that's going to be good, and it'll um, encourage us or inspire us or frighten the little daylights out of us. I do something to us to make us move. And... Um, and I was listening to it the other day, and, and it was only when I was listening to it there a minute ago, it struck me that when he said you got to jump and the parachute's not going to open, and you're going to lose skin, and you're going to get messed up. And, uh, and as I was sitting there, I was thinking, I've got messed up so many times. But something inside of me wanted to keep jumping. And I don't know why, I, I can only say it was something from God that made us keep jumping. But if you don't jump, here's, here's where my fear is, and this is nothing to do with the preaching, although probably has. If you don't jump, someday you're going to stand before God. Someday we're all going to stand before God, face to face. And he's going to show us the life we could have had if we'd have jumped. But the thing that stops every single one of us jumping is fear. And, and it's like, here I know, I'll do the announcements. Um, I started this series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, I, I should have said it when they were here. They're all left now except Ushi. Wasn't the worship team great? <laughs> but anyway, I said that when they were here, sorry. Um, and I believe Robbie was great last week as well. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay. So um, we started, two weeks ago I started this, um, I wanted to do a series just for the month about fear. And we called it No Fear November. And, uh, and it was funny because that very week I got several messages from people who were facing really scary things that they hadn't had to face before. Um, and we've seen some of those things been, been answered already and others that people are still walking through. But the reality of it is fear is, is a very real thing. And um, I'm not quite sure what slides are coming up next. Trying to just throw them up there for me. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. I want you to just remember that, that words, I will strengthen you and I will help you. Do not fear and don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Don't be disappointed. Don't be depressed. Don't be down. Because I will strengthen you and I will help you. I'm going to look at the story um, of David and Goliath in a minute and how God stepped into a situation and changed history. Didn't just change a day, but changed history through a kid. But a kid who was willing to trust that God would strengthen him. And he would uphold him. And when you're afraid, and, and you will be afraid of something at some stage, if you're not already afraid of something, you will be someday. Something will come along and want to strike fear into our hearts. And there's none of us that are immune to that. None of us. I don't care how big and strong and brave you are. The enemy will always look for something to make us afraid. Because as long as we're living in fear... We can't live in faith. And as long as we're living in fear, we can never live out the life that God has for us. Because his life that he has for us, or their life that he has for us, does not include us living in fear. The scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. And perfect love is Jesus. So if Jesus comes in and really, really fills up my life 
then there shouldn't be the space for fear. That doesn't mean fear isn't going to come knocking and there isn't going to be reasons to be afraid. But in the midst of all those reasons to be afraid, we can have a peace that doesn't make sense. The scripture calls it passes all understanding, but it just doesn't make sense. When we should be really scared, we can have a peace that can get us past that and help us to think straight and help us to do stuff. Um, and Jesus knows what it's like to be afraid. I spoke that first week about how God, I believe God, and, and if I was in Bible college trying to throw this um, argument in, I'd probably be slaughtered. But anyway, God, omnipresent God, had nothing to be afraid of, ever. He's never been afraid. I don't believe he, he, he can understand the concept of fear, but he had never experienced fear until Jesus walked the planet. And now God in his infinite wisdom knows what it's like to experience fear because Jesus experienced fear. So when we come to him with our fears, he knows what we're talking about. When we sit down at home or lie down or kneel down or crawl around the floor crying out because we're so afraid or we can't sleep at night because we're so afraid, he knows what that's like. And he knows how to step into that situation and strengthen us and uphold us and help us if we let him. And if we call out to him. So I want to read a chapter from the book of 1 Samuel. And I'd love it if you had a Bible with you, but I guarantee you most of you don't. But I know what you do have. You all have a mobile phone, don't you? So I'm going to ask you to get your mobile phone out for a minute. And I hope you paid for your data. Because I want you to go onto Google. And I'm going to do it with you. I just want you to Google in 1 Samuel. Chapter 17. And if you have a Bible, just go to 1 Samuel 17. Don't go over the summary. And hopefully, if you've got the same Google search I've got, it comes up 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath, from BibleGateway.com. And if you click in there, you'll have 1 Samuel 17 coming up on your phone. Probably in the NIV version, which is what I'm going to read from here. I beg your pardon. Yeah, now I know. So, have you got it? Not yet? Do you want another minute? For those who are under 25, they'll probably get it on the phone for us 10 times quicker than those of us who are over 25. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socho in Judah. I probably pronounced some of these names wrong, so forgive me. They pitched camp at some place called Ephes Damon, between Socco and Ezekiel. I think that was kind of between Crumlin and Ballyferma, I'm not sure. Anyway, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Uh, I looked at that in, in English. It was around nine stone of bronze he was carrying on him. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, wherever they are, and he had a javelin. And his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is about a stone. His shield bearer went ahead of him, Excuse me. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, 
Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of a Nephrotite, I think, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab the second, Abinadab and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this piece of roasted grain and ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring them back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and Philistines were drawn up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gat, stepped out from his lions and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran away from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Imagine being exempted from taxes. That'd be good, wouldn't it? David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, 
because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and then put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come out with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come over to me. You Sorry, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And then the story just goes on in the end of the chapter where David goes over and he cuts off his head and then he goes back to Saul. And Saul asks him who he's from and all that stuff. And then the next chapter it goes into how David began serving Saul and staying with him. But there's a few points I want to bring out in that story and I know it's a long piece of scripture to read out. But it's a fascinating story of a little kid taking on a giant. But he was able to take on a giant because he he knew who God was. And he knew who he was with God. And the first point that I wanted to make out was there was a battle. There was a battle. And there is a battle. And it's a different sermon, but we need to figure out whose side we're on. Because we're either on God's side or we're not. And there is a battle, and there's a battle right now. There's a battle for your life, there's a battle for my life, there's a battle for our community. There is a battle, and we need to know what side we're on. And sides can get blurred sometimes. Because we can get told loads of stuff and kind of go, well, and it's okay, we're not really this, we're not really that. But when it comes down to it, God has a fairly straight line. We're either on his side or we're not. We're either in his camp or we're in the enemy's camp. And the giant is a giant. It's not David's imagination. And sometimes when you're facing a giant in your life, other people will go to you, that's ah, not that bad. She'll be grand. Don't be worrying about it. It's not that big of a thing. Because maybe it's not a giant to them. But it could well be a giant in your life. And that giant is real. (coughs) Excuse me. And the chance to take on your giant isn't always something you plan. Most of us who have taken on giants of sickness, 
or giants of financial hardship or giants of relationship breakdown or whatever it may be did not plan on them things happening to us. They just happened. Boy, we were getting on with life. David was just doing his job. He was a shepherd. He was mining sheep. He was a kid. His dad sent for him and sent him over to his brothers with a bit of grub and to find out where they're still alive. That's basically what he was doing. But as part of him doing just what he was told and getting on with his normal life, the opportunity came for him to face a giant. And because he was able to step into that situation and face that giant, he ended up becoming king of Israel and probably one of the most famous people next to Jesus in the Bible. But he was only doing his job. He was just doing his normal, everyday stuff. Everybody was terrified. Scripture says it. Saul included. Saul was picked as king because he was a head and shoulders over everyone else. And he wasn't a scaredy cat. He wasn't a coward. He was willing to go and fight. But everybody, they had an army of thousands and they were all terrified of one man. Now granted, he was nine foot tall. But like if two of them had to took him on, they might have had a chance. Or whatever. But they were terrified. And David said to them, don't be afraid, I'll kill him. And what was Saul's answer to him? Don't be stupid. You're a kid. Many times have you ever wanted to step into a situation and either someone said to you, don't be stupid, you can't do that. Or in your head you said to yourself, don't be stupid, you can't do that because you're waiting on someone else to say it to you. And they will. There's been lots of times in life where someone has said to me, Brian, don't be stupid, that's not going to happen. That's not going to work. But if you don't have a go at it, you're never going to know that. If you don't jump, you're never going to know. There will be loads of people all around you that will say, don't jump. Don't jump. Don't take the chance. Don't take the risk. Don't step out. Don't put your head up above the parapet. Someone will chop it off. Chop it off. Maybe they will. But at least you'd have had a go. At least you won't go down to the grave with a full of regrets. Oh, I wish I'd have tried that. I wish I'd have tried this. David said, don't be afraid. I'll kill him. They said, don't be stupid. His brother even had a go at him. His own brother. Sometimes family are the worst. Because they think they know you. David was able to do all of that and he was able to tell Saul he'd go and kill them because he had confidence in God. Not because he was cocky. Not because he was like, I ain't great fella. I know karate, I'll kill him. I've watched the Kung Fu Kid, whatever it is. He wasn't doing all of that. He had been in situations where God had rescued him against stuff that was terrifying. Have you ever faced a bear? Or a lion? When we were away last week, um, this girl brought us to a park in the middle of nowhere. And she said, I love coming here on my own. And I was just looking at the woods and I was going, I'd be waiting on an axe murderer to walk out of them woods and kill you if you were here on your own. It was like straight out of a horror movie, this place. It was weird. It was lovely, but that, you know, that weird kind of, this is not a place you want to be on your own. And then I said to her, so is there any kind of like wild creatures around here as well? And she was going like, what have you got in Ireland? I was going, well, we have a few foxes. That's probably as far as it goes where I live. But um, she said, no, well, there's mountain cats and there's bears and there's snakes. And I was going, and you come here on your own? Are you nuts? 
I'd be terrified. But she grew up in that, so it doesn't, it's, not, it's not scary to her. David knew his strength came from God. Because in verse 37, he says, The Lord. Wait a minute, sorry, I'll go back to 37 for a second. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So when you're facing your giant, somewhere along the way, you have to remember God's already got you this far. Whatever it is that he's got you through, he's got you through something up to now. You're alive. You're sitting here. I guarantee you he's got you through something. But when we're facing the next thing, sometimes we forget what we've already faced. We forget what we've already managed. I don't think David, it wasn't that David didn't experience fear. I'm guessing when he was a kid and he had to face a lion or a bear for to rescue his sheep, he was probably fairly terrified. But somehow or other, the, the idea of losing the sheep was more energizing for him to kill the bear. But he had done this in, the, in, in his ordinary, everyday job. He had learned stuff that when it came time to face his giants, he had confidence in himself and in his God. And sometimes we're waiting on something extraordinary to happen to make us feel good enough or strong enough or brave enough to go and do something extraordinary when it's all the ordinary things you're doing is preparing you for to do the extraordinary, but you need to jump into that extraordinary bit. But we sit waiting on it to come to us. David went into it. He'd been trained to face giants. You've been trained to face giants. Maybe you don't think that, but you have. God's given you everything you need already to do whatever it is you have to do tomorrow. And if he hasn't, he'll give you whatever you need tomorrow to face it. Or we can run the other direction. And then it goes on, and this is probably the last point I want to make is, he killed him without a sword. And he, or he didn't use the weapons of this world to kill the giant. The giant was in an army and they all had spears and swords and chariots and bronze shields and all of this stuff. And that was how they did it. But David did it with what he had and what he was used to, which was a stone and a sling, which wasn't even considered a useful at that stage in warfare, it wouldn't have been considered useful to use stones and slings. Because what good is a stone against a bronze shield that just bounces off it? What good is a sling when someone's chasing you with a spear? It doesn't make sense. So what's in this for us? I think in our normal everyday life, we will get our chances to jump. We will get our chances to learn and we will get our chances to do stuff. And I think you'll get your chances to do stuff. And it might even happen this week. You may get an opportunity to step into something in a work situation, in a home situation, in a, in a kind of a, I don't know, a social situation. You may get an opportunity to step into something. You may get challenged in something. You may get news this week that's challenging, but you won't be expecting it. Most stuff that comes to us isn't because we've planned it. It's because it comes. But just because it comes doesn't mean that it's bad or that it's wrong or that we're not able for it or that you're not able for it. 
And what will make you able for it is knowing where your confidence is. Is your confidence in God? Because the army's confidence was in Saul, but then Saul was terrified. So what's the army got to be confident in? If, you're, if your confidence is in another human being, that human being is fallible, and they can make mistakes, and they can be terrified. Just like you can. And they can fail, just like you can. But if your confidence is in God, and who he is in you and through you, then that can't fail. The army had a confidence in Saul and in the army, and it failed. But David had his confidence in God. (coughs) And the last thing I want to say about this was, David's weapons didn't make sense to the army around him. Saul wanted to dress him in his tunic, in his armor, and with his sword. And David wasn't made to wear someone else's clothes into a fight. And you're not made to wear someone else's clothes into a fight. No one else can fight your fight. And no one else's armor can help you in your fight. You have to have your own. You can't fight your giants based on other people's relationship with God. You have to fight it based on your relationship with God. You can't do stuff second hand. David's men's weapons in them days were swords and spears and shields. Men's weapons nowadays are money and sex and power and influence and manipulation and all different kinds of stuff and fear. Our weapons as Jesus' followers are prayer and love and grace and mercy and giving and generosity. They're the weapons that are at our disposal. And I want to tell you, they'll overcome any giant this world has to throw at you. There is no power in this earth that's more powerful than love. Hate is not more powerful than love. Power is not more powerful than love. But we have those weapons available to us. And we have giants. And I have no doubt you have giants to face. And if you haven't got one yet, here's the good news. It's coming. Because <laughs> it will come. Mightn't be this year. Maybe it'll be next year. Next year's not too far away. But it will come. But know that if it comes, that God will be in it with you. And that he will hold you. And he will strengthen you. And he will help you. And he will give you whatever it takes to get through that so that you can come out the other side and be who he made you to be. And live the life that he made you to live. And be all that you were created for. Amen. Um, Tony's going to play that song again. It's on a thing low, and I'm just going to pray. If you need prayer specifically, please come up to the team. We'll be up here. we pray with you. Um, and if you're facing a giant today, or you know there's one coming up this week, whatever it may be, then let this song minister to you. And let the words of God wash over you. And know that if God, who would carry a boy through a battle with a nine-fold warrior and help him win, that no matter what you're facing, he can do the same. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead. The same God who raised Lazarus from the dead. The same God who healed people. 
that we know and are walking around today is available for each and every one of us to face whatever we have to face. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, your word. I thank you for your... I thank you for the history of your goodness to this planet that's recorded in your word. I thank you that you are on our side. And even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it feels like we're being overwhelmed or we can't cope or whatever, that if we can just look to you and use your weapons of warfare, which is love and peace and joy. Lord, if we can pray and even spend time fasting to hear your voice, that you can bring us through. Lord, I pray that we would remember that fear is a liar. The fear is a lie from the pit of hell that you didn't come to give us fear. You came to give us love and a hope and a peace and a joy and a future. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and anyone who may hear my voice that they would reach out to you right now to replace whatever fear is in their life with love, with grace, and with the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome. Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone here. I pray that this week they would know the fellowship of your spirit, that they would know your encouragement, they would know your righteous right hand holding them, that they would know that they are being empowered and strengthened and loved through whatever they may have to face. Father, I pray you bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do need prayer before you leave, please come up and uh, we'll be delighted to pray with you.